This is session seven in our series Battling Unbelief with a specific focus on how belief can bring about love, holiness, and the killing of sin. And the particular kind of unbelief we have in mind in this session that we want to battle is the unbelief that lies behind misplaced shame. In other words, sinking in or being paralyzed by a shame that we ought not to have. Let me pray and then I'll explain that phrase a little more. Father, all of us have been shamed in our lives. Some of it has been well-placed, some of it misplaced. Please help us to know the difference and to battle, to be free in Christ from shame. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So with this little phrase, misplaced, I'm assuming there is such a thing as well-placed shame. Shame we ought to have until we deal with it in Christ. And the misplaced shame I'm referring to is shame we ought not to have, ever to have. So let me illustrate. 1 Corinthians 15, 34, Wake up from your drunken stupor as is right, and do not go on sinning, for some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. So this is a shame they ought to feel until they repent and make it right with God. So shame is not always a bad thing. Or here's another example from 2 Thessalonians 3. If anyone does not obey what he what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him that he may be ashamed. Not don't regard him as a, of an enemy, but warn him as a brother. So shame is redemptive here. It's something it's a it's a painful emotion that we ought to feel when we have done something wrong or been a part of doing something that dishonors God. Now, I know that I'm, uh, I'm using the word shame differently than some psychological uses of it. Sometimes people, at least they used to say, guilt is what you feel when you do something wrong. Shame is what you feel when somebody says you are wrong. And usually the psychological interpretation of that is you ought not to feel that because they're attacking your very person rather than your deeds. I'm not using it that way because the Bible doesn't use it that way, even though I will get to that issue of somebody attacking you utterly wrongly and putting you as a person in a shameful condition and how to deal with that the way we're dealing with unbelief. 2 Timothy 1.8, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel of Christ. So here's a shame we ought never to have. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. And don't be ashamed of those who are imprisoned for Jesus or shamed for Jesus. I know I've seen people boldly and wonderfully declaring the gospel. And I've sometimes felt shame and I shouldn't have. This is, a, this is a misplaced shame. Or Mark 8, 38. 
Whoever is ashamed of me, Jesus says, and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, and oh, how an adulterous and sinful generation can make a Christian feel shamed. This is so true in our day. They can find words that cause us to look shamed, not just boldly bad, but wicked and shameful. The Son of Man will be ashamed of a person who's ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. So that is a, a, a misplaced shame when we're ashamed of Jesus. Here's 1 Peter four sixteen. If anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Oh, how many ways there are in the history of the church, to suffer in a way that makes a Christian look utterly pitiful, right? You get stripped, or you get beaten, or you get paraded before the people, or you get mocked, or you get accused in court, and everybody is reviling you, and there's hardly anyone to stand up for you, and in that moment, you look absolutely shamed and shameful, That's a misplaced shame. We do not need to feel that shame, and we ought not. And this lesson is about how how we're going to keep from feeling that. Here's Paul in uh, Romans 1, 16. I'm not ashamed. So we turn the corner now. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek Believing, believing that this great gospel that people might be using to shame you. Oh, you foolish Christians believing in the pie and sky by and by that there's a God who sent a mythological son into the world as if there could be some kind of dream myth like that. You're idiots. And Paul, Paul won't buy it because he knows the power of God is in the gospel. The gospel saves sinners for eternal joy. So when we believe the gospel, we don't have to be ashamed of it. Second Corinthians 12, Jesus said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you in your thorn in the flesh and the weakness and how it makes you look and feel Pitiful sometimes. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And how often weakness makes us feel ashamed, right? But we shouldn't. It's a misplaced shame. Why? Therefore, I will boast, which is the opposite of being ashamed, right? All the more gladly of my weaknesses. So the very thing that the world is turning against us to make us feel shame, Paul says, is the ground of his boasting. Why is that? so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content, not ashamed, but content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then am I strong, because my strength is found in Christ, who is being magnified in that moment. Paul knows how to take the very grounds that the world uses to make us feel ashamed and make us grounds, make it grounds for boasting. 
This is the story of Jesus where the woman comes and washes Jesus' feet in the house of the Pharisee. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, "This if this man were a prophet, he would have known what sort of woman this was who's touching him. He said that out loud in her presence. That's shaming, right? That is a ugly, mean-spirited, callous shaming of a woman who ought not to feel shame. Why? Well, she is a sinner. There was a time when she should have been ashamed, but now she is coming in repentance and love to Jesus. Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those at table began to say among themselves, who is this who forgives sins? And he said, woman, your faith has saved you saved you from shame, saved you from condemnation, saved you from sin, saved you from hell. Go in peace. So the key for being freed first from real shame when she was acting out her sin and misplaced shame when it's being heaped on her by the Pharisee after she's been forgiven, the key is to know the sweetness of, to be satisfied by, believe in and be satisfied by the the Lord of the universe. Who is this who forgives sins? This is the Lord of the universe. This is God, very God, a very God, and he is pronouncing you forgiven. So you can listen to those shaming words from the Pharisee and they will roll off you like off a ducks back if you really believe and are really satisfied in what Jesus has to offer. Forgiveness. 2 Timothy 1.12, I suffer as I do, but I'm not ashamed. Just like we've seen before, suffering can so often make a person feel ashamed. But he says, I'm not ashamed. Why? Because I know whom I have believed. There's the statement I'm looking for. I know whom I have believed. Believing triumphs over misplaced shame. And I am convinced that he is able. I trust his power to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. He's not going to let me be put to shame. Here's Jesus himself. Let's let's close with his model, his example. He was despised. He was rejected by men. A man of sorrows acquainted with the grief and shame that people heaped on him as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. We called him shameful. What did he do? Hebrews 12. Look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of your faith. What did he do? For the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame. How do you despise shame that is being heaped upon you and say to shame, shame, I despise you. That is, I count you as having no power to paralyze me, no power to ruin me, no power to destroy my life or make me miserable. How? because I am looking to the joy set before me. Sure, right now, people are heaping upon me shameful accusations. They stripped him naked. They put nails through his hands. They mocked him on the cross and said, you saved others, you can't save yourself. They made him look like an absolute idiot. And all the while, 
He's looking to the joy that's coming just over the horizon. And it's absolutely sure. What does it guarantee for us? Romans 10, the scripture says, everyone who believes in him. Jesus was entrusting his soul to God. We entrust our soul to him. Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. So, yes, there's real shame, and we can deal with it by, by receiving the forgiveness of sins. And oh, how many times after that, there are temptations to feel misplaced shame. Don't let it have you. Trust him. Trust him. The scripture says, believe this. Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. So, we kill the sin of misplaced shame. Yes, it is a sin to go on wallowing in misplaced shame. And we kill it by believing God's promises. He will stand up for us. He will vindicate us. That is, we kill the sin of misplaced shame by being satisfied with all that God promises to be for us in Jesus. This is the great battle, to be satisfied in our vindicating, advocating God.